Hello and welcome to the bonus episode, our very first bonus episode of Blood, Fear, Beer. How you doing, Alicia? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about this. Me too. This was such a cool experience. You want to tell everybody what we got going on? I do. So we had the amazing opportunity to talk with a horror director by the name of Ryan Kruger about his very first feature film, Fried Berry, based on one of his many short films. He's been in the industry for over 20 years. He has directed music videos. He has a ton of short films. He has acted in several movies. And now this is his first feature length movie. And we had the chance to talk to him about it. And it was so much fun, and he was a really awesome guy, and it sounds like a movie that can be right up our alley. So, not just because I'm biased and he was cool, but it really does sound like a cool movie, and yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yes, it was super awesome. So, Fried Berry at the moment is still making the festival circuit, so I believe right now the Fantasia Film Festival is going on, and it's all online this year, of course. So, if you are in an area where you have access to that festival, you should be able to watch it there. Uh, otherwise, you may be able to catch it at another online festival in your country. And we did ask Ryan when we could expect the movie to be released, either on demand or possibly in theaters. We don't know what's going to be going on at this point with the whole pandemic situation. But he did say it could possibly be out by the end of this year or maybe January of next year. So definitely keep an eye out for it. Absolutely. So without further ado, please enjoy our very first interview. Hey, Ryan, thanks for coming on our show. We know you're here to promote your upcoming feature-length horror movie, Fried Berry, which is based on one of your many short films. And just to kind of help our listeners get to know you as a writer and director, we have a few questions for you. Cool. So to start out, what were some of your early inspirations that fueled your desire to get into filmmaking, directing, and writing? How did I start to get into it? Yeah, like what inspired you initially? Were there particular movies or directors? Yeah, I think, um, well, growing up in the 80s, I was always a big fan of like 80s movies and whether it was 80s horrors or, you know, just like 80s Spielberg films or even films from like the, you know, the 50s and 60s. So, I mean, I think it was one of those things where going to, I mean, the, the, audience, the, the people these days, they don't know what it was like when you, like when I was a kid, you know, you'd go into that video shop and you would spend fucking hours in there looking for, you know, that, that video. And then if you were lucky, your mom or your dad would go, okay, you can have two or you can have yeah. three. And yeah. It was like the best together. <laughs> and you would spend hours and you would probably pile up a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, videos and then you would try and like go, okay, which one do I like better? So yeah, I think I just grew up uh, with my dad also being a big film lover. You know, it's just watching, you know, all the 80s horror films and just like the old school Spielberg films or like Goonies or Stand By Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also even the likes of like Jerry Lewis and stuff like that with like comedy and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just a big part of uh, a part of my life. And I think from that and just being a kid playing with my my toys and stuff, I think I just never grew up in that <laughs> sense where, it, you know, it was still just creating, you know, cool, you know, you know just creating cool imaginative stuff you know as as things went on because i always think it's sad when we were younger you know when we were younger there was that one day that you pack away your toys and you never play with them again but nobody ever realized when that one day was so it's either because you know you got a bike and you want to play out with your friends or you start to 
you know, you start growing up and then there's the, you know, there's the girls on the scene or whatever, and there's the boys are just left behind. So I think that, you know, that imagination of still, you know, wanting to, you know, just to live in that like dream world, but be creating like cool stories of, of stuff that you can, you know, never end. Absolutely. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we are huge fans of 80s horror, and we really miss just being able to browse the video shelves for hours at the video rental stores. That's such a, a special experience. Yeah, well, that's why I said, yeah, that's why yeah. I said kids wouldn't know that now. Yeah. They scroll from button to top on Netflix, and then that's it, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. It's not the same at all. Yeah, you miss out on that experience. That's, yeah, really yeah. insightful. That was, a big, that was a big part of it. I mean, can you remember when your mom and dad would say, your dad, my dad would go, all right, you can have three. And I was like, three? Yeah, it's like, oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> it's like your birthday yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> no way. Yeah, that was like the best. But also I think, it, like, because I grew up in the UK, um, but even, you know, even in the UK, you know, I think back in the 80s, early 90s, TV was still, like, really good then. But, you know, they used to play, like, so many, like, horror films and so many old films, you know, on TV, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So it seems like there are a number of first-time feature film directors that debut with a horror movie and then they just knock it out of the park. So, for example, we have Jordan Peele's Get Out, Robert Eggers with The Witch, Jennifer Kent, The Babadook, etc. So why do you think that the horror genre is so inviting for first-time directors and what makes it such a great genre for them to just show off their skills? I think it, will, I think it all really depends on you know, what you really like. You know, I mean, my base of films that I like, you know, you know, very, very much into into, into a bit of everything. But I like my darker, twisted sort sort of stuff. But I think I think there's a big market for horror films, whether it's a low budget horror film or a big budget horror film. So there's always they're the easiest films to actually sell because the horror market is so big and so many committed fans. I think it's a I think it's always a great you know, market to do that. Because I mean, I, I don't think it's the same in other in other films where it's like a low budget comedy that goes viral or anything like that. It doesn't work. Right. I mean, I think it's the I think it's the horror fans that are committed. And you know, there's all those bad horror films and people still buy, you know what I mean? So at the yeah. end of the day, whether it's good or not, or people think it's bad, or that, the reason why they like it is because it's bad, or the reason why they like it, it you know, it's a decent film or it's got a cult following. So I think I think it's a good market, you know, for like distribution and to, you know, more of a money back guarantee, you know, when it comes to distribution. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you said, no matter what kind of movie it is, if it's terrible or if it's really insightful, it, people are still going to buy tickets. Yeah. Yeah. I Which feel like the nice. horror, <laughs> horror uh, audiences are much more forgiving than some others. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, uh, so, I, I mean, with like Fried Barry being my first feature, I think it's, you know, I've got so many other scripts not related to horror, you know, but uh, like still like dark and gritty and stuff. And it's funny how I made this film instead of the other, you know, the other scripts that I had. So I, I just thought Fry Barry was a, was definitely my stamp on the movie to do my style and to do what I wanted to do. And I, I think it's a good first time filmmaker's film Absolutely. that will stand out and have a lot of room for like crazy marketing and stuff like that, which is what you need when you when you make your first film, you know, to try and get out there as, as much as possible. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions we had was, we know that you have an impressive array of short films that you've directed from many different genres, and we were interested in what made you pick Fried Berry 
to make your first feature length horror movie. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I just got to a point in my career because over here in South Africa, I'm known as a as a music video director. So I I tell narrative stories within uh, within you know within music videos. So when making those music videos, it's always a thing where I'm very lucky that the artists are like, hey, you can do what you want. But at the same time, I'm still in a box because I'm like, okay, this needs to go on TV and this needs to match with their audience. So when I made the short film Fry Barry, it was the it was the first I, I wanted to do for a while. I wanted to make you know just something really creative and not have to worry about clients, not have to worry about is this going to get on TV. So when I made the the short film, you know, I, I had no plans to make it into a feature whatsoever. It was just Fry Barry the short in 2017. It was you know it was a three minute experimental about a heroin addict in an abandoned building and its highs and lows of this guy and it was you know but there was still that bit of a horror element element to it but at the same time it was just like creepy and weird and made you feel uncomfortable but it was i, I think it was just that that one thing where i was like shit i can do what i want i don't have to worry about this getting on tv i don't have to worry about anything you know anything like that so it was just to feel free to express and do what i wanted to do and with that you know, when we released that, you know, we had like 60 official selections around the world at film festivals and we had like 13 awards and then we started getting all this random fan art. So from that, uh, I think it might have planted a little bit of a seed in my, you know, my brain to think, you know, I must be onto something here. And then I, and then I came up with this idea and then I just ran with it. And it was just funny that I picked that over all the other scripts that I have already written and stuff. But it just made sense. It was like I knew straight away, shit, this is, the, this is the one I need to do. That's so cool. It seems like, based on what you said and based on some things that I've read, it seems like even the short Fried Berry kind of had developed a, a cult following of its own. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that follow my work and know me in South Africa, but it's, it's weird when you stumble upon that random concept and it just happens to be like my favorite thing and more me, and more my style, and then it just you know, it just kind of exploded. Wow. So it was nice that it was something, you know, that was me. I yeah. mean, there's, there's things in the past where I've done stuff and I've got awards for, and then I'm like, oh, why did I get an award for that? I'd rather get an award for this. Yeah. Stuff, you know? <laughs> That's so cool. And, you know, I know you can't reveal too much before the film is widely released, but what can you tell us about Barry as a character? Who is Barry? So the, the whole story of Friar Barry is, in a nutshell, is basically... It's about a, a heroin addict, uh, this bastard guy who's he's a, he's not a nice guy, heroin addict, and he gets uh, he leaves his one friend the one night, and he gets abducted by aliens, <laughs> and now the aliens basically take over his body. He gets spat back out, and now the aliens in control of his body, and Barry's just basically taking a backseat, you know, in, in his body, and this alien is going on this joyride to the darker side, the grittier side of cape town and it's basically an alien tourist on holiday and all this shit that he gets up to and all you know meets all the people that knew the real barry which is all drug addicts and it's just this crazy road movie without without the car and like barry is the car where it's you know we're going from one scene to the next on on this taking everybody on this journey that sounds amazing i can't wait to watch that yeah i'm not gonna lie that sounds fun as hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was a lot of fun making it we had we had like the best time making it. It was so funny. And the, the, the one interesting thing about Fry Barry, the way it was made, 
it came about so quickly. Like soon as I had that idea, soon as I had that idea, I wrote a, I wrote a scene breakdown in three days. And that scene breakdown was so brief. It was literally Barry goes here, Barry goes there, Barry meets this person. And that's how brief it was. There was, there was no dialogue. There was no major, you know, major story. It was just like this, this journey and the, that nutshell, you know, synopsis that I said. And I wrote six pieces of dialogue for six actors. And because our lead, Gary Green, um, he's not, his background is normally an extra. So when it came to making the movie and the idea, it had to be perfect. So when I got the idea, I basically, you know, I had to work with him very closely, but at the same time, I, I built the movie around him to make it work. So the whole movie, apart from six pieces of dialogue and the 50% of the brief scene breakdown was the whole movie is basically improv and workshopped on the day, wow. which is great. And I needed to be able to do that because also Gary's not a, a trained actor. So I needed him not to like try and, you know, remember stuff or rehearse or anything like that. So I needed like a blank canvas every day or, or otherwise he would overthink it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. So on that note, we know that as a director who also has experience in the acting world, uh, we were kind of interested how your acting experience influenced you as a director and specifically how it influenced your relationships with the actors that you worked with. Yeah, well, I, I started I started acting first, and as I wanted to be an actor, I still had, you know, I still got that video camera when I was a kid, and I would, I would make films with my friends, where I would basically still be directing, but I was also acting. And I must have made, like, about 100, probably more, little short films, but they're all, like, terrible, but it was that learning curve as I went on. And then when I decided to take acting more seriously, then, uh, yeah, I just started to, you know, do TV and film. And then from there, you know, I wanted to push the, 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 the directing thing a bit more. I mean, it got to a point where, you know, we all know it's like it's really hard to get into the film industry. And, you know, it was, it was that conversation with my mom and dad where my mom, and, my mom was like, you know, maybe you should try and do something else, you know, just in case it doesn't work out. I was like, no, 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 it will it'll, it'll work out. <laughs> And they were like, yeah, but just, you know, just in case it doesn't work out, maybe you should try do that. Basically, they want me to either be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And then I was like, I'll do directing. And they're like, oh, no, we mean like something <laughs> not in the industry completely. So then, you know, and then from there, I just, you know, I started hitting it hard with the directing. But go back to your question. It's one of those things where as an actor director, I love working with the actors. And, uh, you know, I love the crew that I work with. But it's... Even as an act, you know, as a, as an actor, it makes me a stronger director, and it also makes me a stronger actor, vice versa. Where when I'm working as an actor on set with the director, we always get on. We always get on really well. I understand exactly what he wants, and it's. I think it just. I think it just helps. So, when directing and the people that I've worked with uh, on Fry Barry, the actors, you know, we, you know, I know how it is, and I know it's nice to have a little bit of freedom and. Fry Barry and how, how I made the film, you know, being like basically a shitload of improv and still structured, but, you know, workshopped on the day. I gave people, you know, it's very collaborative. I think, I think there's so many people that don't understand that when you make a film, yes, it's my vision. Yes, I direct it and write it, but it's, you got to collaborate, you know, with these artists and these people that you work with. And that's what makes a better product. 
you know, everybody's having fun. We're all on the same page, but it's, you know, it's that great working relationship, which will, will shine through onto the screen, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's something that you can tell in the movie too. when a, a group of people enjoyed making the movie together. That's fantastic. So, you know, as we mentioned before, this is your first feature length film, but you're obviously no stranger to the filmmaking world. But we're wondering uh, what kinds of unique challenges did you face making a feature length film versus your previous work? Well, normally when, when I'm shooting like, you know, the music videos, the short film, I mean, a lot of the time when I'm shooting music videos, it's majority of the time it's like, you know, you're shooting for one day, two days max. I, I try to shoot one day or it's just, you know, to save budget and, you know, do more with the video and then short films, you know, maybe three or four, three or four or five days maybe. So with this, it, it was no different in a sense of, because when I'm shooting music videos, I'm not just shooting people dancing and singing. I'm known as a narrative storyteller with, you know, within music videos. So doing a feature, it's just, you know, it's just like more of a long form, you know, not a long form of filmmaking, which is, you know, it's that thing where you, you can go depth with more with the characters and, uh, you know, with the narrative and, and also, you know, room to like experiments and stuff. But um, I, I, it wasn't like any major, major challenges. It's, it's just like, shit, this is like the longest character I've ever spent time with. Yeah. Okay. Or this is the, you know, the longest was, uh, yeah, in that sense, it was crazy just to be like, we're still shooting the same film yeah. <laughs> after, so many, after so many days. But it was great and it was exciting. And, and I think with that, it, you get to explore those characters, you know, in depth and tell a story more where you don't have to, you know, it's like when I'm directing commercials, you've got 30 to 60 seconds to fit in like a little story or information. In a music video, you've got three to four minutes to tell a story, you know, begin and middle and end. And I think that also trains your brain to get, you know, to hit these beats and get it across. Now, every, you know, with feature films, you know, it's still the same in, in a sense of it's just a longer form, but you've got these scenes five or 10 minutes and it's just one scene. So, you know, it's like, what, you know, what can you get from that? And where does the scene need to go to, you know, to end? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it, I think I'm definitely, you know, for the longest time, I've always wanted to shoot a feature. So to get to that point is, is you know, is one thing. And I mean, even day one, I was like, shit, we're making a movie. Halfway through, shit, we're halfway through the movie. The end, we're like, shit, we've finished the movie. And then, like, we're sitting there at Sunny Quest in San Jose thinking, shit, the movie's going to play now. So it's <laughs> just like, it's crazy how, how quick and how fast you know, the movie came along. I mean, it was literally, when it came to making the movie, I mean, it was literally, I got the idea, I did the scene breakdown, I rang my producer, uh, James C. Williamson, that I only just met like a month before, so I only knew this guy for about a month, and I rang him, and I got to a point in my career where I was like, I'm done, like, I need to do something big, and I need to do something now, and I can't wait, I can't like wait any longer, I need to do it now. And I said, I've got a, I've got an idea. I want to do it. And he's like, well, have you got a script? And I'm like, no. And he's like, have you got any money? And I was like, oh, I've got some money. And if you get some money, then we can make this thing. And he's like, well, why do you, I said, but I need to shoot it next month. And he's like, well, why do you need to shoot it next month? And I was like, because if we don't shoot it next month, it's never going to happen. It's just going to get postponed, pushed back. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I need to do it next month. 
either in or you're out. And he's like, cool, I'm in. I was like, great. A month <laughs> later, we started shooting the film. And that's literally how you know, how quick it came about. And I think that's the... I kind of knew the answer all along, where sometimes, you know, people promise you things and people say, oh, yeah, we want to make a film with you. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get the money. And then you wait and then it fades away. And I think I kind of knew all along. Sometimes you just do it yourself. You know, if you've got a good, you know, broad spectrum of crew and actors and people that you know you, you can do it you know it's just once you've done day one that's it you, there's no going back so you have to you have to you have to finish it yeah. absolutely i gotta forge ahead it always kind of blows my mind when i hear about these movies especially that after the fact they become like cult classics like nightmare on elm street and stuff where they filmed it in like 26 yeah. days or you hear about like you know it took them like a weekend and they wrote the script and then they just like went for it I love that. Yeah, and that's the best way to do it. And I mean, the people, you know, the people that I, you know, I surround myself with people that I admire and people that are good at what they do and and people that is, are really just amped and really have that ambition to do, you know, what they do. And that's, you know, that's why we get on so well and the people that I work with because they want it just as, you know, just as much as me. And it's, you know, it's something in it for everybody. Yeah. So, and at the end of the day, we, we want to work, but you know, most people, whether they're actors or art departments or wherever, they just want to be a part of something good. You know, there's, there's a lot of work that people get and they're like, Oh, I'm doing this job, but they also, they just want to be, you know, they want to be a part of something that's different and, and exciting instead of the same shit that they're normally doing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So another question we had for you was obviously, you know, your background is, heavily in the music industry so we feel that sometimes or we feel that a sometimes under underappreciated yet crucial aspect of any movie is the soundtrack we're kind of soundtrack snobs so coming from a background in music do you feel like this gives you an advantage on your on your movie yeah no absolutely i mean i mean if you look at films just for example um like blade runner if you take Van Gallis out of Blade Runner, it ain't the same movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It, will never, it will never be this, you know, it's that feel and that tone. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same movie. And that's what, that's what makes it what it is. And I mean, that's why like when you were a kid, it's funny how you remember, you know, all the music from like, you know, like whether it's, you know, Indiana Jones or, or like, you know, Poltergeist or whatever. It's this, the music that, you know, you remember, and it's actually a part of, it's a, it's a big part of the movie. And I, I think sometimes people don't realize that. Yes. And that's why, they, you know, there's not that many directors about these days that do, you know, like, it's, it's like when you watch Christopher Nolan and you've got Hans Zimmer. Like, you take Hans Zimmer out of Interstellar, it fucking wouldn't be the same movie at not all. Not at all, yeah. You know, so it's, for the past, like, 15 or 20 years, I've listened to like the Blade Runner soundtrack every night before I get to bed, you know? So it's just like one of those things. It's just, a, it's beautiful music and it's brilliant. And going to like, back to like horror films and stuff with the music, it's so important that you get somebody to score your movie instead of getting those, uh, you know, library music for like horror films. And it's just, it'll actually fuck up your movie unless, you know, it's so right. You know what I mean? It, it, you've got to fit a certain tone. I mean, uh, is a big DJ over here called Hazer, and he's he's amazing. He's brilliant, and it's so so it's, it's such a pleasure to work with him, and he's so easy to work with. But he's just like so talented. And again, with Fry Barry, 
the people that have seen it, it's such a big part of the movie. People mention, you know, the idea and the entertainment value and Barry, but it's also like the music. Like the music is such a big part of it just to give you that right feel and like right, you know, the right tone to it that you want people to, you know, to feel and go, go through, you know, the emotions either with characters or, or you know, or go on this journey. Yeah, I feel like uh, soundtracks can make or break a movie. And I got to tell you, like, we were so in tune with the Blade Runner thing. Like, I listen to that all the time. Yeah, that is my favorite movie <laughs> of all time. So that, yeah. especially, yeah. you know, the soundtrack. But yeah, we couldn't agree more. The The soundtrack, especially for a horror movie, is such a crucial element. And it's really awesome to hear someone who who understands that and uses their experience in the industry to really enhance the film that way through the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, music and sound, it's its like its like 80% of your movie. Yeah. You know, you take, I mean, I remember there's, you know, there was this one scene in Fry Barry and somebody, he meets, he meets this girl at a club and the girl takes him back and it's right at the, be, you know, it's quite near the beginning of the movie. I was sitting there with my producer James and he was like, you know, we were talking about the scene and I said, dude, it's going to be completely different for what I want to come across as the character once the music is there. And once the music is in there in this scene, then you're like, oh shit, what is he gonna do? Why is he there? Shit, he must be a bad guy, or you know what I mean? But if you took that music out, it wouldn't be the same. It, it, you wouldn't think as much for the character. So the music is there for the feel and the tone and for the character and, you know, and, and what they're going through or what you want the audience to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the soundtrack is just such an important narrative tool. We completely agree. It reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the, like, meme videos where they'll take, like, comedy previews or something like that and then put, like, horror music behind it and make it look like a horror movie. And it, it works uh, yeah, so yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Seen, yeah, yeah. I've seen some of that. Uh, I can't remember which one I saw, but it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, they made, like, a comedy look like it was, like, a, you know, a crazy horror or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and it just, just music changes the whole tone of things and the way you look at it. It really does, yeah. So uh, just going back a little bit, in your 22 years of experience in the industry, you've worked with bands like Slipknot, Black Flag, The Misfits. You've acted in movies such as Broken Darkness and... Sasha Baron Cohen's Grimsby, TV shows like Bluestone 42, and not to mention winning awards like the Best International Short Film for the screen behind the mirror at the Latina Documenta Film Festival. So just going back on some of those achievements that you've had and the work that you've done, what have been some of the greatest accomplishments for you personally? Um, I think it's probably, I mean, it's like I said earlier, you know, there's, there's films that you... You know, there's music videos and stuff that I've done for, you know, different styles of bands and stuff like that. And it's funny how sometimes you get praised for something that you, you don't really like or you're not that into. But, you know, I still put 110% into making that music video, but I'm just like, eh, it's not my, you know, it's not my, it's not my favorite. And then, you know, I make something that I really like. It comes down to, you know, being commercial or whatever. And then, I've got awards for, you know, like an MTV award for like a music video. And I'm just like, shit, why, why, why didn't I get it for this instead of that? Or why did I get this award for this? So I think, you know, it's, I think it means more to me, to me when it's something, you know, that I really like and, 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 and enjoyed making and it's more me and my style. Yeah. But I think some of the awards, I mean, I've been nominated lots of times for Starmer, you know, it's the South African Music Awards for music videos. 
So I won uh, a Sama for a music video, uh, Prime Circle, uh, that I did. So I, I think that was really, you know, over here it's a big thing. So, it was, And then years ago, I got an award. It was at the Liverpool International Film Festival for uh, just like a high achievement um, award. Uh, it's called the Alan Clark Award. Uh, so Alan Clark was a you know Liverpool director back in the day. You know he directed like early films like Scum or Made in Britain with like Tim Roth and stuff. So I, I think it's stuff like that for what you know what really actually means something to me. You know with uh, you know for for directing side and then with acting it's really dependent on you know the projects that um that I'm working on and as an actor I, I I'm still you know it's like with most people. You know, when you go to a barbecue or you go out for somebody's birthday and you get dressed up and you think, oh, I look, I, look, I look pretty good. And then on the day, you know, a week later, you're looking at the pictures and you go, fuck, I look awful. Why, yeah. why, why is the word that awful? Or is that how I sound? So if it doesn't look like me and it doesn't sound like me, then I'm like, cool, that's that's good. <laughs> so I mean, when I did uh, uh, Last Broken Darkness, I ended up actually playing like two characters in that movie. So the first character was this English Cockney uh, army guy. And then later on in the movie, I come back as this like American hillbilly character with <laughs> they dyed my hair black and my beard black and I had these fake teeth in and it was great. And then when people watched the movie, they said, oh, cool, Ryan, you, you, you were great in the movie. And I was like, well, which part? And it's like the, the soldier. And I was like, yeah, but I also did the other part. And they're like, shit, we didn't even know that was you. It doesn't look like you. So for me, that that was great. And that was probably one of my favorite roles that I've done because I could, you know, I could just stick my teeth into like some, you know, character work and it was didn't look like me, didn't sound like me. And I was like, cool, that's that's great. That yeah. sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> so switching over from acting back to directing, I find that directors often have a central point or emotion that they're trying to really instill in their audience with the, their movies. For example, in making Alien, Ridley Scott simply said that his main intent was to scare the shit out of the audience. So I'm wondering, do you? what's your main intent? What do you want audiences to get out of Friedberry? Well, I think when you make a movie, you know, we all have our own visions of stuff that we want to make. But at the end of the day, you know, the movie business is still... You know, it's a business, so you still got to think about who you, who you cater and for, you know, and what audience is going to like this movie. So, I mean, with Fry Barry, you know, it is a crazy, wacky movie. It's got bits of sci-fi, you know. It's got, uh, you know, this horror in there, this comedy, this dark, dark comedy. There's even a a love story in there. There's a bit of everything. It's just a crazy, wacky movie. But yeah, I think it just, you know, I just want people to, you know, to enjoy it and. You know, I tried to make it as unpredictable as possible where you have no idea where the hell this movie's going, but you're still entertained. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, is to entertain people. I mean, you know, how many times these days, well, I come across it a lot where I watch something and go, I'm over this, oh, this is crap. And then I switch it off. Or I'll, I'll watch it and I'll say, I'm probably never ever going to watch that again. So to to keep people entertained and just to keep them you know, sitting on the seats and being entertained and to watch it and, and yeah, to, just to give the audience something different, something that they, you know, that they don't expect. I mean, half the time when you watch a movie, me personally, you know, you're trying to suss out, oh yeah, this is going to happen. It, probably this is going to happen. And I find it really hard to sit there and not rip the movie apart as a filmmaker because I'm, you know, I'm obviously looking at it in so many different ways. 
Definitely. You don't want it to be too predictable. And I can tell just from the preview for Fried Berry that I watched, it looks entertaining as hell, completely up my alley. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's what I try to do. I try, I, you know, I, I just try to make it, you know, that the audience that watches it, they'll go, I have no idea where this movie's going. And not in a bad way. Yeah. It's just in a good way that we're, we're keeping them entertained. And it's like, this happens. Now we're going to go over here. Then now it's going to go over there. So yeah, just, just to have that element and keep people intrigued the whole time and to be in the movie while they're watching it. I think that's, that's the key thing. Absolutely. So we're dying to know what are some of your all-time favorite horror movies? Uh, it's got to be probably like a lot of 80s stuff. I mean, like I, I love The Fly. I love Poltergeist. Uh, one of my favorites, I love uh, Christine, The Thing, Near Dark, Lost Boys. Uh, I love David Cronenberg, like Videodrome, Scanners, uh, The Dead Zone. So yeah, I think I love a lot of, it's got to be 80s. I'm like a big 80s fan, like, 80s is like the best films and it, it annoys me when some people go it's like when i speak to my editor and i'll say to you hey dude what's your what's your favorite movie and then he'll be like oh it's crash, like, crash. <laughs> oh, oh, God. And, and he's not talking about you know he's, he's talking about the brendan fraser one and it's not that it's a bad film i'm just like dude that's nobody's fucking favorite movie <laughs> so you know it's and it, and it it's funny and it's like he'll say to me and he's got a good knowledge of film he's a fantastic editor he's the only editor that i'll work with but then he'll say something like, he's a lot younger than me but they'll say like, yeah but you know the old star wars is a bit dated and i'm like dude what the fuck are you talking about there's <laughs> nothing wrong with those movies no, no it certainly is not <laughs> the, character, the character's good the wardrobe's good the prosthetics is good the animatronics they're like dude you can't like you can't go wrong with it it's like good and i i don't know if it's a thing it's just like the you know the way you've grown up and you've watched these movies and the funny thing is there's less and less movies that are made these days that you will watch again. You know, yeah. every now and then you'll be surprised and be like, I watched Interstellar. I'm like, I fucking love that movie. I'll watch it again. But it doesn't happen often. I find myself constantly going back to, I mean, yesterday I watched Close Encounters. Nice. I've seen it a million times, but I love it. And it's every, every time I watch it, I'm like, still fucking good. And I'll still enjoy every minute of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, we are we are huge fans of 80s horror. And especially when you look at the practical effects of that time, I feel like that was just the golden age of practical yeah, effects. No, definitely. I mean, it, it's like I remember seeing a YouTube video a while ago, and they said it was something like the worst special effects makeup or animatronics. And number one, believe it or not, and this is they said this is the worst. And number one was Terminator. What? And I'm like, what? Oh, I was no. like, what are these people talking about? And and I mean, it's that scene where Arnie's in the mirror and he's taking his, you know, his eye out. Oh, know? that's like one of the and best like, scenes. That's horrifying. Exactly, dude. That's what I'm talking about. So then I'll be like, fuck, these people don't know what they're talking about. But no. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at stuff like that or, you know, or you look at like Total Recall. I think that's like 90, but I mean, it's still that, you know, animatronics and stuff that they use and it's brilliant and it's way better than CGI because it's just, it's in camera and it's real. Yeah, it's you know? timeless. Yeah, I, I mean, when there'll definitely be people that will disagree with what I'm going to say now, but I mean, when Lord of the Rings came out, you know, I'm not saying that I, like I enjoyed Lord of the Rings, I really like it, but um, when you saw those massive wide shots of like the hills and the, all these armies and this and this and these mountains, you know, for all the visual effects that they did in it, you look at it and you go, I mean, it doesn't look real. 
Yeah. You, you know when you look at a mountain and, and how it looks and this and this, this, it doesn't look real. And then if it doesn't look real, then what is it? And it's like the mummy. So there was that famous shot in the mummy where Arnold Bosolo stands there at the moment, he shouts and his jaw stretches out and it's like visual effects. And it's just like, it's not good. It just doesn't look good. And if it's not, if it doesn't look real, then what is it? Exactly. Then it's just like, well, why do you just do uh, prosthetics and stuff like that? It's just way more believable and way more edgier. And it there's a creepiness to it better than, than doing bad visual effects. But also looking at like, you know, you look at like Jurassic Park 1 and people working with Spielberg, it has to be the best. It has to look real. So when you saw that, you know, that T-Rex go through the wires and stuff like that, it, you know, there's it was a small percentage of visual effects and then all like animatronics and work and puppetry and stuff like that. But it looked absolutely amazing. And now I think that was, I can't remember the date now. I think it was like 94, or 95, I can't remember. But then, you know, you look at that and 10 years down the line, you know, they make like, Jurassic Park 3 or whatever and the, the effects are shocking it's terrible and I was like well how have we gone backwards and not forwards I know really so, you know, there's, there's many films later on where the effects are awful so it's just like why it should be realistically it should be better because 10 years has passed but it still you know looks shit but and you look at Jurassic Park the first one and there's nothing wrong with it it's amazing and that still holds up today. It's still just as good. The effects look just as good. But I feel like the CGI stuff, it's almost like when you go and buy a new computer, it's outdated next week. You know, and the CGI stuff is, even if it looks good when you first watched it, you're, you're, the second time you watch it, it looks like shit. Yeah, yeah. it ages no, so exactly. quickly. There's so, there's so many movies like that now. Yeah, so we're, we only got two more uh, questions to wrap up with you. But speaking of, like, our favorite horror movies and everything, I feel like everybody has at least one movie that traumatized them as a kid, like they watched a horror movie way too early, or wondering what movie traumatized you? I was thinking, you know, I've been thinking about that. I think it's a really hard one. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, like my dad, my parents weren't really strict. My mom was probably a bit more strict. So my dad's like, yeah, they can watch it. It's cool. You know what I mean? They know what's right and they know what's wrong. And, you know, I just got brought up on like horror films and stuff. So it was always... It was always all right. You know, it was always like I'd get more excited than anything. And I mean, I don't know. It's a hard thing. I'm more like, I'm more like stuff like, I, re I remember, uh, I, you know, I remember watching The Fly and I remember my brother saying to me, yeah, his, his dick fell off and he had to put it in the cabinet, <laughs> in, the, in, the, uh, in the bathroom cabinet. And all I could think of was like, shit, man, this guy has lost his dick. Like, like and he's just got it in this jar in in the bathroom and i was like fuck that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> so, so i don't know like i think it's like with you know with other like hard films and stuff whether it's something like aliens or something like that where you know when rip when um uh, newt is like running underneath the you know the the floorboards and the, the aliens you know running after it and it was just done so well but not that it like did anything to me i was just like you know, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat and you're just like, you're in a space thinking shit. You, you know, you don't want to get caught by caught by this thing. So I don't know. It's like, it's a pretty hard one. I, I, like, I remember, um, I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't that young then, but I mean, I remember, um, well, I guess I was quite young. Remember the movie uh, Fire in the Sky? Yes. So that alien uh, abduction scene, that was cool. That was oh. like, fuck, this is scary. You know, like it looks... <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It, it looked so real. And I remember me and my brother, my cousin came to stay over 
And because me and my brother saw it, we thought it was scary. Like we made my like younger cousin watch it, and he was probably like eight or, or something like that. Oh man! And he got like traumatized from it. And uh, his mum, you know, he had nightmares for like six months. <laughs> so <laughs> me, and my brother, me, me and my brother got shut out like so badly. But I remember a few years ago, I actually spoke to my cousin about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you're lying. You know, that that didn't happen." I was like, "Dude, you probably went to cancel counseling." Or, yeah. <laughs> Mum and dad made you like forget it or something because mum and dad said he had nightmares for like six months. Oh my goodness, he blocked it out. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally blocked that one out, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, so our, our last question for you is uh, one of the things that we do on our podcast is every horror movie that we review, we like to pair it with a specific type of beer. So what kind of beer would you recommend pairing with fried berry? It would have to be... Uh, Piss One Changa from uh, Desperado. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's Definitely. fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and tell us about your upcoming film. I personally cannot wait to watch it. Yeah, me neither. I'm excited for it. So when can we expect the movie to be released? I know it's still making the festival circuits. Yeah, at the moment, we're, it's probably going to be the end of the year, if not January. So yeah, as, as you know, it's, it's hitting all the festivals are right now. Um, so it's obviously it's going to a lot of different countries. But the cool thing with it being uh, most festivals are online this year. So anybody in that country can actually go watch the film online. Oh, fantastic. Which is, uh, pretty cool in that country. Oh, awesome. So okay. if, if you keep a lookout, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, there's quite a lot of festivals coming up that we're in. And yeah, you must just keep a lookout and... I'm pretty sure there's a festival in your country that you can that you can watch it. Fantastic. We'll definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm looking forward to seeing it. For sure. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. It was really awesome getting to know you a little better and hear more about your experience and your upcoming movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right, Ryan. Good luck. Take care. Thanks, guys. Keep well. Eh? Thanks so much. You All too. Right. Thank you. Cheers. Well, that was amazing. It was. I just want to thank Ryan so much for taking the time to do that and for reaching out. We were both very excited to do that. Absolutely. Such an awesome guy. I really enjoyed talking to him. And it was also super awesome to discover that we basically have the same taste in horror movies. And I was really, really excited about the Blade Runner thing. Yeah. And the soundtrack. I was trying to hold back my excitement. I know. I was trying to keep my cool and I couldn't do it. (laughs) Anyways, thank you guys. Thank you, Ryan. And hope you all enjoyed Hope you all go out and see the movie wherever you can, whenever you can. We're going to update the Instagram with whatever information when we get it. And until next time, keep it spooky. Keep it spooky.